So excited about this program. So we had about 20 people go through this last year. Uh, our goal is to have around 30 more go through this this year. And, and here's the challenge for us. In our culture, we're really good at like short bursts of obedience, uh, but we haven't ever been kind of done the long obedience in the same direction, right? And so what we've done is we've done small trainings here and there on how to make disciples, but we've not invested deeply in how to do that. Informed is our opportunity for us to go deep. And so it's a 10-month process. It's a big commitment, right? Everybody with me? 10 months is a long time. And we're going to meet every single week for 10 months. Uh, we're going to split up into small groups, and we're going to divide. We're going to really start paying attention to what God is doing in our own life. We're going to start learning how do we follow the Spirit in our everyday walk. We're going to start learning how do we take our cues from Him, and how are we led by Him. And then in the whole process, what we're learning to do is actually how to make disciples, because discipleship is what we're about, right? Jesus' final command to us was to go and make disciples. And so I want to encourage everybody to sign up for this. Like, I would love it if we had so many people sign up for forum that we didn't know what to do with it uh, over the next year because I really do believe if you are sitting out there in the church and, and are saying like, I, I don't know that I've ever been trained formally in how to make disciples or I don't know I've ever, if I've ever had anybody who's really invested in me for a season, this is what this is about. And so we want to invite everybody to jump in and be a part of this. Um, one of the fun things about last year's group was it was so multi-generational. So we had college kids, we had some of our seasoned leaders there. Like we had, we had a, whole, a great group of people from kind of all walks of life that were together. People that were single, people that were married, people that had kids, people that didn't have kids. And it was this kind of amazing, fun journey together. And so we want to invite all of you to do that. This fall at midweek, we're going to kick off uh, and it's going to be a really amazing time. And so if you want some more information about that, um, just on your five-fold sheet, just write the word formed and circle it and take it to the Welcome Center uh, after the service, and we'll get, you, we'll get in touch with you with some more information. But we would love for this to be a, a, a big thing. It's going to be something that we do every single year is we're going to go deep with a certain amount of people. Um, it takes an investment, right? It's a time investment to do it, but it really matters, uh, and it's really, really important. All right, it's Father's Day. How many fathers do we have out there? Let's give it up for the dads. Look at that. That's a good amount of dads. I, sometimes what happens in the church is like Mother's Day is like, let's honor the moms. Let's hug them. Let's like do all these special things. And Father's Day is like, let's beat up on the dads. Have you been to that church before where it's kind of like, dads, we all suck, let's get better? Like, that's, that's kind of the way it is. And, and today, I really want to honor the dads that are among us. I, I was talking to a dad this morning, and I said, what are you doing for Father's Day? And he said, I'm taking my kids to Six Flags. And I was like, is that what you want to do? And he's like, oh, no, of course not, right? And I was like, well, that's, that's exactly what being a father is, right? Like, there's a million little sacrifices that go unseen for a father every single week, every single month, every single year. Um, and dads in the room, I, I just want you to know that, that, that God sees all of those sacrifices, that God knows the hard work that you put in every single week, um, that we as a church see that and that we love you and want to honor you for all the sacrifices that you guys make because being a dad is not, it's not easy, right? It's a hard, hard job. I can't think of much harder jobs than being a father and a mother in today's culture, especially when you have teenagers. Uh, 
there are some great things happening in our church. So we're starting this Make series, and I'm really excited about this. I'm going to be traveling to some other campuses over the coming weeks, and you guys are going to get to hear from some of the other campus pastors over the coming weeks. I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear from them, to get to learn from them. Some really exciting things happening. Um, last week, we did Spring Hill Camp. We had like 86 kids here um, from camp. Um, here's the good news about camp. Camp is an amazing week. It's an incredible week where we get to invest in the next generation, where we get to love the community. Um, there were so many kids who I didn't know who were from the community, who were new kids, who are, who are just hanging out with us for the first time. Last week, we had seven first-time commitments to Jesus, um, which is really something to celebrate, right? Um, and 33 kids said they made life-changing decisions to follow him um, last week at camp, which is incredible um, and amazing. Last week, we had the Compassion Experience was here. Did you guys enjoy hearing from the Compassion folks last week? Um, we had 2,800 people come to our campus and go through the Compassion Experience, which is amazing. And, and uh, over the last week, 109 children were sponsored. Um, that means 109 kids from Ethiopia now are being pulled out of poverty. They have the medicine, the food, the education that they need. And that is something that is definitely worth celebrating what God is doing in that. So well done, guys. Um, so, so excited about all that God is doing. We had Pentecost last week. You guys saw a video at the front end. Um, Pentecost is all about us praying for what God is calling us to next. And as a family of churches, we're praying about where our next campus is. And so right now we've got seven campuses. We're praying about number eight uh, and we're raising money for it. And so last Sunday we raised $45,000 to go towards our next campus. Uh, our goal is $100,000 towards that next campus. And we're praying about where that next campus is. And so be praying for us that God would lead us to the place where he's going. Because I honestly think we could plant a church in any of the cities we've targeted and it would be amazing and exciting and fun. And so we're praying about San Francisco. We're playing, praying about Chattanooga. We're praying about Lake Lanier. We're praying about Clarkston. Like there's all kinds of different options that God is leading us and inviting us to where there are grace people on the ground who are saying, we want a campus here. So in the same way that about four years ago, there was a group of people in Marietta who were saying, I think we should do a campus in Marietta. There's people on the ground all over the place that are saying, what if God was to start a church here? And so I want to invite you to be praying with us uh, and joining with us in that because there's a ton of just really, really fun stuff happening. So it's Father's Day, uh, and I want to preach today about Zebedee. Uh, I know that you've heard many sermons about Zebedee uh, over your life. Zebedee is hardly mentioned in Scripture, but he's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. He's this father of James and John. And being a dad is hard. Uh, this week, my son, uh, Cole, my oldest son, he's 17, he volunteered for Spring Hill Camp uh, last week. And so he's hanging out all week, and he really loves it. Like, he's actually really, really good at it, too. So he's hanging out with the kids, and something cool comes out of him. Like, this, you kind of get this pastoral energy that comes out of him. You kind of see the gifts that God has given him. He loves worship, and he's really fun, and he's dancing around with the kids and having a good time. And, and about Thursday, at the end of the week, one of the Spring Hill staff people came to me, and he said, hey, what would you think... If your son went with us for the rest of the summer and worked for us for the rest of the summer. And I was like, my, my son? Because he's just a baby, right? He's like, he's 
this morning I had to tell him to take a shower, right? Like, I, I don't know that I can send him away for 10 weeks, right? Uh, and he said, yes, he said, your son has been amazing. He's been incredible. He's, he's done such a good job this week. We want him to come with us and to travel from state to state and go to 10 different Spring Hill camps at different churches in the same way that we did at your church and go out and do this. And my first impulse, I got to be honest, my first impulse as a dad was like, no, no, because like he's, he's little and I don't, I don't think he'll do a great job. And like, you do realize that he, he was like trying to wear a sweater and jeans the first day of camp and it was a hundred degrees and I had to like talk him into wearing shorts. Like it was an actual argument for that to happen. I don't know that he's prepared for this, right? And so I'm trying to tell him and he's like, no, we really believe that God's called him to it. We really, and so I sat down with him and I said, buddy, like, do you want to go do this? And he's like, yeah, dad. And I said, well, you realize like we're going to Florida next week and we're going to be on the beach all week and you won't be able to go to the beach. He's like, I know, dad, I want to do this. I said, you realize that you'll be giving up reach camp with the youth. Like you won't be going to New York with your youth group. And he's like, yeah, dad, I really want to do this. And so we sat down and we prayed with him and, and, uh, and we sent my baby off on Saturday of last week for 10 straight weeks uh, to go travel. He's somewhere in Ada, Michigan right now. I don't know where that is. He's at a church there right now, um, but he's with this camp group traveling, and, and as, he, as he was doing all of this, I just was struck by like, 10 weeks is a really long time. Like, have I prepared him, right? Like, uh, there was kind of, we had like two days to get ready, and so we were like grabbing it. The kid didn't even have a bank account. Like, there was no way for them to pay him. Right? Like, so we had to go get a bank account. Like, There's all these things we're trying to do last minute. Um, I, and I'm like trying to give him all of this like fatherly wisdom. Like, hey, you have to shower. And, and like, hey, you, like, don't yell at people. And uh, like, you can't be on your phone 24 hours a day playing whatever game that is you're playing. And like, you can't say this in front of kids. And like, I'm just trying to think of like every scenario that could possibly go wrong with my son in the next 10 weeks. And I'm trying to like, Throw out all of this wisdom, and, and, and today, this morning, I woke up to a text that said, Dad, happy Father's Day, and I responded, and I said, where are you? And he never responded. So I, I, <laughs> that's kind of how my relationship goes with him right now. But in, in this whole process, uh, I just started thinking about this message, and I just started thinking about like the journey that we take as fathers. Um, Zebedee in Mark chapter one, because here's, here's, what I, here's what I think. I think as a father, our goal is to make every way possible for our sons and daughters to follow him. Like I think our job is to clear a pathway so that our children can follow him to the best of their ability. Like I think it's to take every obstacle out of the way of our children being obedient and following him. And there was this instinct inside of me that was like, I gotta protect him, I gotta keep him here, he's gonna mess up, he's gonna fail, I gotta, like, I, I gotta protect him from all those things. And, and then there was this kind of voice of the spirit inside of me that was like, yes, he's gonna mess up. Yes, he's gonna fail, yes, he's gonna make mistakes and I'll be with him. And I'll guide him and I'll direct him and I'll walk with them. So in Mark chapter one, there's this picture of Zebedee. It's verse 19. And it's Jesus kind of calling his disciples. And it says, going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. Um, I feel a little bit like Zebedee left in the boat today. 
There is this process, like even if your kids are really young today, if your kids are down in the nursery this morning, there's going to come a day when your kids are going to drop their nets and they're going to go off and they're going to follow God. And the question that I want to ask today is what did Zebedee do that prepared his sons for that? What is it that we're doing to prepare our sons and daughters to go and to follow him and to be with him? How are we clearing the path so that our kids can follow him? How are we discipling our children now so that they can become the people God has called them to be in the future? And here's what, here's what I believe. Someone told me a long time ago that the role of a father is fourfold. The role of a father is this. We are to be priests, prophets, providers, and protectors. Let me break those down. We're, we're first called to be priests, which means we are actually the ones who are fathering our children. We are actually the ones who are pastoring them, who are walking beside them. We're the ones who are there with them when things are going wrong. We're encouraging them along the way. We're urging them on. We're calling them to their best selves. We are praying with them. We are opening the word of God with them. We are walking with them daily. That's what a priest does. He walks with you so that you can become who God wants you to be. Next is a prophet, which means we become the people who teach our kids to hear from God. When they're young, we have to hear from God for them, right? Because they're not quite able to interpret what God is saying or what God is doing yet. And so we hear from God for them. But as they grow older, what we do is we teach them how to hear from God. We teach them how to interpret what God is, do, is doing. We train them that God is always present and at work. That God's always moving and working. And our job is to walk with him and be with him. And so we teach them to become aware of his presence. We teach them to know what God is saying. What our culture has done is narrowed this list of four down to a list of one. Culturally, what fathers are called to do is to provide, right? We've narrowed this list and we've said the biblical definition of a father is not good enough. We're going to cut out three of these things and we're just going to be providers. And so what the American version of a father is, is a father provides, which is a part of being a father, right? We, we, we come up with the resources so that our kids can thrive. We give them what they need. We take care of their needs. We, we work hard so that they can have what we didn't have when we were growing up. We do all of those things. But, we, but, but culturally, we've taken out priest, provider, and protector, and we've decided that all we need to do is be providers. And I want to call you to something higher today, fathers. I want to call you to a deeper relationship with your kids and with the Lord where we're not just providers who work all the time but are never actually present with our kids. I have never talked. Here, here's something I always do. Anytime I, I come in contact with a pastor whose kids are grown and, here, and their kids love the Lord still, I always ask him, what did you do? Right? What did you do? Like, what did you do? When you, when you were traveling and speaking, how did you stay in touch with your kids? When you were leading a church and, and the needs of the church seemed huge and the needs of your family felt huge, like, how did you balance that? What did you do? And I've never, ever talked to a father who's told me, spend more time at your church and less time with your kids. Every single person I talk to says, be with your family. My, my son's playing basketball right now. Um, he's actually playing in a game right now. And, and, and I help coach the team, not on Sunday mornings, but I help coach the team. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's like a really challenge, it's a real challenge for me to help coach the team. 
Because it's like three nights a week of practices, it's games every weekend, it's doing all of these different things, and it's a lot, a lot of work, and sometimes it's not very fun. Um, we lose sometimes. Uh, one of our teams lost by 70 the other day, right? We lose sometimes. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he was like, whatever you do, don't stop coaching him. Like, you drive to those tournaments with him. You sit on the sidelines with him. You talk to him in the car as you're driving because three years from now, when he's off in college, you're going to wish that you had those moments back. The last one is protector. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we have a generation of unprotected kids growing up in our culture right now, Um, particularly young women. We have a generation of unprotected young women. And because we have not fathered well, there is a generation of young people who are growing up who do not have the protection of a father. They do not have a father who is looking out for them, who is walking with them, a father who is caring for them along the way, a father who is saying, no, you will not do that because you're not strong enough to make that decision right now. It's one of the hardest things to do as a father, especially when your kids get older to say to them, you have a limited sight of your future right now, and I have a bigger sight of your future. You think you know everything when you're 16 years old, you do not know everything. You think you see the whole picture of the world, you do not, and you'll realize 10 years from now that you were an idiot when you're 16, and when you're 26, you'll realize you were an idiot then when you turn 36, and when you turn 36, 46, you'll realize you're an idiot when you, I'm wondering at what age will I get where I actually figure out 10 years ago I wasn't an idiot. Is, does it ever happen, some of you folks? No? Okay, everybody's saying no. All right. Good news. We've all got room to grow. All right? You do not have the full picture of what's ahead of you. And so as fathers, one of our calling is to protect. We have to fight for our kids. We have to fight for their futures. And we've got too many fathers who have grown tired of the fight. Like I hear from too many dads, my kid's doing this, but it's just not worth the fight. Can I tell you, dads, it's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. And it will be hard. And it will be challenging. And teenagers are so annoying, right? It'll be hard sometimes. But it's worth the fight. It's worth investing in. God calls us to be priests, prophets, providers, and protectors for our wives and for our children. That's the calling of every father in this room. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying like crazy. As I was praying this morning, I was just praying for all the fathers. I was praying for many of you by name that God would give us the strength to step into all of these things. So I want to just walk through Zebedee's life. Well, limited information we have about him. I want, you, I want to talk through what did he do that set his kids up for success. The first thing that he did was he taught them what he knew. Zebedee was a fisherman. He was a fisherman of some kind of means because he had multiple ships and didn't just have his kids working for them. He had hired servants working for him as well. So the limited information we know about Zebedee is Zebedee had a fishing business that was doing pretty well. It was growing and it was multiplying. And and what he did was he taught his kids what he knew. He knew how to fish. And so he taught his kids to fish. That's the way the culture worked at that time. At that time, you only did what your father did. And so if your father was a farmer, you were going to be a farmer. If your father was a shepherd, you were going to be a shepherd. If your father was a fisherman, you were going to be a fisherman. We live in a different culture now where our kids are going to eventually make their decisions about who they're going to become, not based on who we are, but we get to teach them and train them what it looks like 
to be the people who know how to work hard, who know how to work a craft, who know how to do certain things. And we train and we prepare our kids to, to learn. Um, my father was a master at teaching moments. Like my dad was just so good. I, can, I, I, I always, like I catch myself throughout the day just dispelling little wisdom that my dad gave me. And he, he just understood that, that all of life is about these intentional moments. And what I imagine with Zebedee out on the boat with James and John is I imagine that they started when they were fairly young. In that culture, you would have started on the boat probably around 11 or 12 years old. Um, I don't think we call our young kids to anything like that in our, in our culture, right? We just let them watch Nickelodeon, right? Well, we, there, but there is this intentional invitation to go with me while I do this. My dad would say, I'm going to play tennis. You're going to go with me. And I would just sit on the side and watch dad play tennis. My dad would say, you're going to, I'm going to go work on the car. You're going to sit in the yard and you're going to watch. And I would just sit there. I remember being like a 10-year-old. I had no idea what dad was doing. He's doing something. Yeah, I'm going to paint. And, you, and the older I got, the more he invited me into those things. So as I got older, I started playing tennis with my dad. Or I'm sure that was miserable when I first started. So he invited other friends to play with me. And, and, and then he started showing me, this is how you work on the car. None of it really stuck. Um, but, but he tried. Right? He invited me. Like, he showed me all of these different things along the way. And he trained me. And he taught me. But what I recognize about Zebedee and what I recognize about my father is they knew that being with our kids takes intentionality. Father's in the room. It's going to take you marking time on your calendar to say, I'm going to be with him during this time. I'm going to be with her during this time. I'm going to do one of the things that we do is I do a daddy-daughter date with Claire once a month. We go out somewhere, just me and her. It's on the calendar, and, and I talk to her about how men are supposed to treat her, right? Now, she's 10 years old. She's not going to have any men in her life for at least 25 more years, right? Like, I... They, I am terrified of Claire as a teenager, right? Uh, but I'm already being intentional about preparing her for that. I'm telling her that every single day I pray for her future spouse. I'm teaching her how a man should treat her when he takes her out. Because when some doofus takes her out and treats her differently than I do, I want her to know that's not how I get treated. With my boys, I intentionally invite them into hard work. Like I make them do really hard things around the house and I go out and I make them redo it over and over and over and over again. The greatest day of my life was when I stopped cutting grass at my house. <laughs> I clocked out, right? But, but what that took was over and over and over again, going back to my kids and making them redo the work that they had to do. You got, you didn't cut this well. Look at all the weeds that are still there. You cut every corner, right? When they start, they cut every corner. Like you got to go back and you got to do it again. And it's like, oh, dad, come on, right? There is this whole big thing, but it's, you're going to go back and you're going to do it over and over and over again. I was playing high school basketball and uh, I, I, we were playing, I don't know, it was a rival and, and, and the game got a little heated and I shoved the kid and I got a technical. And I remember getting in the car and my dad was not one of those sports dads that like yelled at you for not doing well. Like uh, he, 
I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think he cared whether I scored two points or 30 points. Every, every time I got in the car, he'd be like, that was a great game. I'm like, Dad, I was 0 for 18 shooting the ball. That was not a good game. He's like, nah, you played well. Like that, that was kind of how he was. But he was not happy that I got a technical foul. And I got in the car, and I remember sitting down, and I remember him turning around, looking at me, and giving me the dad look, right? I, when, when, uh, when Caden was a little boy, I could give him the dad look, and he would cry. I didn't even have to say anything. It was just the look, right? Um, it was awesome, right? Uh, but he gave me the dad look, and he turned around, and he said, hey, what's the name on the back of your jersey? And I said, Hardman. He said, what's the name on the front of your jersey? I went to a school called Dayton Christian, and all it said on the front was Christian. I said, Christian? And he said, you need to understand that everywhere you go, you represent those two names. My dad didn't miss moments to be intentional. He didn't miss teaching moments on the road. And as I've been praying for dads this week, I've just been praying that we would be the people who recognize teachable moments. That the Spirit of God would show up in our lives and say, teach right now. And I want to give every dad in the room permission. Listen, you do not have to be a New Testament scholar to do this. You do not have to know um, what, what the prophet Zechariah said in chapter 37. Like, you don't need to know these things. I just need you to be a teacher. The greatest thing my dad taught me to do was to work hard in self sacrifice. There is no model in my life greater than my father of someone who I have seen sacrifice for their kids and work hard. He just does it. My dad likes to work. Most people would be like watching a game, drinking lemonade. My dad's like, you know what would be fun? Let's go build something. No, that's not fun. Like, that's terrible. Like, he just loves to work, and he always taught me this kind of thing. Um, so, so what does it look like for you fathers in the room to be intentional? What does it look like for you to find teachable moments? And can I just suggest that this doesn't stop when your kids go off to college? Like, I still talk to my father once a week on the phone, and every single time I talk to him, I notice that he's inserting some kind of wisdom in there. It's a different kind of wisdom, right? It changes as you grow, but he's continuing to disciple me. He's continuing to invest in me. He's continuing to pour into me. And there have been a million different lessons I've learned by watching him. So dads, I want to challenge you with a couple things. What if you just sought out one teachable moment a week? Just one moment a week where you're like, okay, this is a teachable moment. I saw it. I see it. I need to step into it. What if you had one moment a week where you actually prayed with your kids? Where you just said, for one moment a week, I'm going to make sure that I pray for each of my kids individually. Every single night, I pray with my kids before they go to bed. My son is 17, and we do it every single night, and he actually enjoys it still. I'm going to do that when he comes home from college, right? Now, it's gotten to the point where it's like, I'm going to bed now, not you're going to bed. But, but it, that's the way it works. Like, I still pray for my kids every night. I, and I want to challenge dads that every single week to show a moment of tenderness with your kids. I talk to way too many um, kids who have grown up and said, my dad never said he loved me. My dad never hugged me. My dad never showed affection to me. We need to be tender with our kids. Our kids need to see us as fighters and lovers. They need to see us as people who will boldly fight for them and challenge for them, but they also need to see us as lovers. Our culture defines men only as fighters and not as lovers, but the Bible describes us as the people who weep with Jesus, the people who walk with Jesus, the people who love and serve and lay our lives down every single day 
for our kids. The second thing that I see Zebedee doing is he doesn't prevent his kids from leaving. Like I imagine with Zebedee, there is a financial risk at this. If Zebedee's thinking about the future of his family, it's going to be one of the boys takes over the business, right? When he's thinking about the plans, what Zebedee has is he has dreams for his life and he has dreams for his kids, but what begins to happen is God begins to stir up dreams in his kids that are different than Zebedee's dreams for his kids, and rather than fighting those dreams, he releases them to what God has called them to do. That's the call of every parent, is we stir up the dreams of God in our children, and when the time comes, we release them to go pursue them. I think helicopter parenting is one of the greatest challenges we have in our culture right now. Like I see so many people who are afraid that their kid's gonna fall down. And they're just all like everywhere around like the, the well, what if he falls? What if he falls down? What if, well, your child is gonna fall down. I'm sorry, guys. Like it's gonna happen. Like I see so many of us who were so caught up protecting them that we're not preparing them. And can I just challenge every single parent in the room, your job is not to protect your kids, your job is to prepare them. Your job is to equip them for the world, not to close them off from the world. It's to, it's to prepare them so that they can go and become the people of God. And we always prepare, we train so that we can deploy, we train so that we can send. And too much of our training in the church is discipleship without sending. And when we become those type of people, what we become is we become people who get fat on information but never do anything. And so we've got to train our people to go. We train our kids knowing that there's going to come a day when they're going to go. There's going to come a day when we're going to release our kids. They are not going to stay in the nest forever. And so I want to do everything I possibly can to work hard to prepare them now. So sacrifice when they're young so that they're prepared when they're old. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when they become old, they will not depart from it. Invest now in training them because you're going to send them. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 1 says this. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Here's what's happening in this. Salome, who is Zebedee's wife, is at the grave of Jesus. Which means that Zebedee and Salome not only signed off on what their boys were doing, they were a part of the ministry that their kids were a part of. As our kids grow older, we become a part of what they're doing and we invest over and over and over again. And here's the thing, our ceiling becomes their floor. Like this is what parents do. This is, I can't think of a better definition for a father than this. What we do is, is our life becomes a ladder for our kids to stand on. Everything that we build for them. We understand this financially, right? We understand that we've got to leave something behind for our kids so that they can have enough. But we don't understand that our whole life is leaving something behind for them. The way that we live, the way that we teach, the way that we interact, everything we do is laying down our lives so that we become a ladder that our kids can stand on. Jesus understood this. In John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, he said one of the most fatherly things I've ever heard. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to my father. What we want from our kids is we want them to do greater things than we're doing. 
What we want for them is more than what we have. What we want is to lay down everything so that they can have it. I've seen my father cry one time in his life. You know when it was? It was the very first time I preached a sermon. I was 17 years old. I stood up in front of the church. I preached the worst sermon that's ever been preached in Christendom. Like, it was full of heresy. It was like, yeah, like, it was terrible. Like, I think I, I think I did it. I think, I honestly believe one of my illustrations in the sermon was about my dog peeing, right? I think that was in there. And I walked to the back of the room and my father put his arms around me and with big tears, he said, you're gonna be a great preacher. My father became the ladder that I build my life on. Our kids will do greater things than we will do. I can tell you guys this, the evidence that we here at Grace Marietta are successful, the evidence that we're fruitful, the evidence that God is at work in us is the lives of our children. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. It, we're, we're gonna know whether God was with us and God was doing something special in 10 or 20 years when all of these kids go out and start going into ministry. All of these kids start becoming men and women of God who are powerful and strong and know how to hear from him. We're gonna see gifts of the spirit that were given to us that increase in them in ways that we can't even imagine. We're gonna see power and authority in them that we could never see in us because we laid down our lives for them because we gave them everything we possibly could give. We believe that they're gonna do more. There was this moment at the end of camp, uh, and I think some of the parents were there for us, but at Spring Hill Camp, my favorite moment is the end of camp. The kids all stand up here and sing some awkward songs and do some hand motions. Um, it was awesome because there was about 50% of them were super into it, like really ready to dance, and about 50% of them were done. And so they were just like, there were some kids that looked really miserable. It, it looked like what I would look like if they asked me to dance in front of the church, right? That's what they looked like. Uh, it was bad. Uh, but, but what they do is they go downstairs and they go downstairs and they take each kid individually and they call up each kid individually. And I love what the counselors do. What the leaders from Spring Hill do is they get down on one knee so that they're right eye level with the kids and they name off for them a character trait that they saw in them this week. They say to them, I saw faithfulness in you. I saw leadership in you. I saw um, loyalty in you. And they name off all of these things and they do like a two minute thing where they tell the kid who they are. And every time I get a little emotional watching it because I watch these little kids, every single kid, even the ones who were this when they were dancing, right? Every single one of them lit up when an adult said to them, I see this in you. As a parent, as a father, our greatest gift to our kids is to call out the God stuff inside of them. It's to say, I see this in you. You look like Jesus when you do this. There's so much good in you. Let's go. Um, I was kind of studying this week and I was looking at David. Um, David wanted to build the temple. That was his dream. 
He wanted to build the biggest temple that anybody had ever seen with all the greatest resources. He wanted the gold and the silver from all over the place. He wanted the cedars from Lebanon. He wanted all of these things to be brought together into one place because he wanted a place where the Ark of the Covenant could reside. He wanted a place where the presence of God could dwell. His whole dream of his life was not that he would become a great conqueror, not that he would become a great king. His dream was that he would build the temple of God. And he goes to God and he says, I want to build this temple. And God comes back to him through the prophet and says, you did well to have that in your heart, David. But that dream is not yours, it's your son's. I want to give that dream to your son. And David did what I think every father is called to do. What David did from that moment on, it's 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. David said, my son Solomon is still young and inexperienced. And since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the all, all the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David then collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. What David did from the moment that he knew the dream that he had in his heart was the dream that he was called to give his son was he started making plans for his son. He started drawing up the plans for the temple and setting them there so they were ready. He started getting the cedars from Lebanon and he gathered these giant resources. He started gathering the silver and the gold and all of the resources and he brought it all together so that when he died, his son would have all the materials he would have to follow the dream that God had given them. I can't think of a better example of what a father's called to do. What we are called to do is to help our kids make a plan for the future. It's to give them all the resources we can possibly give them. It's to lay them all down at their feet and to pray that they stand on our shoulders and build something greater than what we've built. And so my prayer, as I've been preparing this week, there's this, read, read 1 Chronicles 22. We don't have time to go through it right now because I got excited about other stuff, right? But 1 Chronicles 22 is full of this beautiful picture of how David is praying for Solomon, how he's making the plans, how he's gathering the resources. He's doing everything that a father does. He's going to Six Flags and sitting on a bench while his kids are having fun. Like, he's doing all of these things because what a father's called to do is to sacrifice everything so that his kids can become something. And so I really believe that this is important. In Malachi chapter four, verse six, it says, when Jesus comes, what he's going to do is he's gonna return the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. And I believe we have a fractured fatherhood in our culture right now, guys. And we work in a basketball program and so many of those kids are fatherless. They're just not there. They don't have a dad at home. And some of the dads that are at home, they're they're working all the time and, and the dads aren't even there. We see all of these opportunities and all of these moments where our kids are just longing for a father. And the results in our culture when we lose fatherhood is we lose everything, guys. I believe that God's plan for the church, that God's plan for our future, it all intertwines with the family. And if the family falls apart, the church falls apart. And if the church falls apart, we're trouble. So the only thing I need to, I, 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 I know to do when I feel like we're in trouble or when I feel like I'm afraid or when I feel like I'm worried about what's going on is to pray. And so I want to invite every father who's willing to just stand up right now because we want to just pray for you. If you're a dad, I don't care if your kids are grown, if your kids are old, if your kids are young. Um, I really believe today that God has called us to pray for fathers.
And so I wanna invite everybody that's around these dads to put a hand on their shoulder. We're gonna spend two or three minutes just praying individually. Wives, pray for your husbands. Kids, pray for your dads. Let's spend a few minutes. Pray for some strangers. Everybody in this room should have somebody praying for them right now. So find a shoulder, put a hand on a shoulder. Let's pray for some of these fathers. We're gonna spend two or three minutes for you guys praying and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna wrap up. So go ahead, let's pray for these dads. Out loud, guys. So Heavenly Father, we pray for all the fathers in the room. We recognize the challenge that's ahead of us. We recognize the difficulty. We recognize all the fears and all the doubts. We recognize the feeling of inadequacy. We recognize the feelings of fear. Father, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would begin to move and work in these fathers' lives. I pray that you would raise up a generation of fathers in this place who know you and love you and follow you and serve you, who walk with their kids, who are intentional with them. I pray that you would give us Holy Spirit moments with our children. I pray that you would put the ball on the tee for us to give them teachable moments. I pray that you would give them a heart that's receptive to our kids. I pray for families in the room where their kids are estranged from them. For older families where, where the kids are, are distant from them or the relationship has been fractured or broken in some way, I pray that you would return the hearts of fathers and sons to their kids. I pray that you would do something supernatural. I pray for the parent in the room who's been praying for their son or their daughter for year after year after year that their son or daughter would know you and I pray that you would break through, Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you would do something remarkable, that you would do something amazing and that you would do something Lord, we trust you. We trust that you're a better father than any of us will ever be. So teach us just to walk in your ways. Teach us to be like you so that our kids can become like you. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every father in this room. In your name we pray.